and welcome to Torah Talks Chazak's Tuesday's programs with a special guest. Today, tonight, we have a very, very special dear guest. We have my Rebbe from Yeshiva Orachaim, the Mishgiach, our Mordechai Finkelman, Shlita Barachabah. Rebbe, how are you doing? Baruch Hashem, it's a pleasure to sit with you. <laughs> pleasure, oh my Tom. <laughs> who became a Rebbe. Baruch Hashem. <laughs> Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. Those years were amazing, and Baruch Hashem, we still build the Kesher, still stay connected with the Yeshiva, with the Rebbe. And uh, we're going to have an exciting topic tonight of Chinuch of Parenting. The who, what, where, and when, and why of parenting. And uh, it's going to be really, really interesting with God's help. But before we delve into tonight's exciting topic, Rebbe, uh, can Rebbe maybe give a little bit of a background to the listeners about the Rebbe's holy work and the great involvement with Kal Yisrael? Well, uh, first of all, I was born not long after World War II. To my parents, Alea Masholem, great, wonderful parents who came here as teens at the beginning of the war. And they, they brought them to escape the Nazi inferno in Europe. But they remembered very well what Jewish life was like in Europe. And, uh, and as they grew up and came towards marriageable age, they did aspire to try and recreate and have a very, very good Jewish home. But they weren't Zeichel because they were uprooted from their roots they weren't zeichel really to have the kind of chinuch that they would have had staying in Europe. And they decided to give it to us, to the children. And uh, one of the most beautiful things that I can say is that they sent us to yeshivas that were stronger than they themselves were. It's Yaakov and Yeshiva Tervadas. And we brought home all kinds of things from yeshiva. And my parents were so respectful of everything. Everything that there, were, there, were, there was immediate change if we brought something home that was halacha, that was the law, whether it was my mother dressing absolutely tsanua because my sister said we don't understand this Yaakov. I remember when I was a seven year old and my sister came home, she was nine years old, and said, Mommy, we learned today, Ms. Yaakov, that mommy's covered their hair. I remember holding on to the carriage and my sister on the other side, I was pushing that whoever was the baby at the time. That afternoon, to the hat store, a block and a half away, and started to wear a hat, you know, or my father, Oliver Shalom, who, who enjoyed learning, and went to a chumashir every Thursday night by the closing of the Rebbe Zechariah and we were laying on the floor, watching TV, our very best friend, you know, Thursday night, my father walked in from the shir, and he brought in two non-Jews with him from the next door apartment house. We lived in a small little apartment above a store. And right next to it was a big uh, apartment house. He brought in two Gentile fellows, and we're looking at him, the TV is, you know, and he points to the TV and he says, can you carry that? And they said, yes. He said, it's yours. Wow. What happened? So my father said, the Klausenberger Rebbe said, and that an interesting statement. He didn't speak about the Klal Yisrael, about the Jews. He said, der machen America. He says, this little box will destroy the American culture. It's not good for anybody. Wow. That's what he said. He didn't wow. say a Jew shouldn't have it. He said, nobody should have it. And my, and my parents took things so seriously, they wanted to have the right kind of home. So that was a very beautiful thing. You know, so that, that uh, I really, I'm telling this over because I think it's a beautiful thing not to be afraid of your children bringing home truths. It's good. Like if you, if you I'll give you an address, a book to read. Rabbi Uri Zohar Shalito, his book, My Friends, We've Been Robbed. This is what he writes about. 
his initial reaction to that rabbi who proved to him that the Torah was given from at the mountain of Sinai, right? His initial reaction was hatred, anger, I'll never go back. But he said, now he thought about it. Because I lived a lie for 45 years, I should finish my life as a lie. Wow. It's a good book to read. And, and I saw it in real life. Because whatever we came home with, I remember being sorry about it as a kid, you know, because I was a child, like all children. And I came home, it was exciting to tell my parents about Chol Yisrael. And the next day, everything was Chol Yisrael. That meant no more M&M's, no more Hershey bars, no more Peter Paul Mounds. Oh, okay, okay, that wasn't so bad. But then the summer came. Mm, and we're, we're, I, we're pushing the carriage again. And we passed Carvel, and I say, oh, mommy, it's a hot day. Could we have Carvel? And I said, it's not Chol Yisrael. So I still remember. I don't know too many things from my youth. Thinking... How silly you are. Why did you tell her? You know, why did you tell her? But it is a beautiful thing. So the, the background is, I spent 20 years in Yeshiva Tervedas. Wow. Baruch Hashem. Beautiful. Loved it. Appreciated it. My sisters were as Yaakov girls. And we had parents who worked together with the Yeshivas. Amazing, amazing, amazing. And then uh, the Rebbe's, the Mishgeach of Yeshivas Arachayim was for how long? Definitely in my days back in the day, but... Uh, I was, well, first I was in, a Rebbe for, well, I was in Kailal. After Kailal, I was a Rebbe for five years in my alma mater, in Yeshiva Tervedas. Oh, wow. And then for four years in Yeshiva Tervedas, I have to say, I loved every Yeshiva and learned a lot in every Yeshiva. Learned a lot of Chinuch. And then 12 years in Yeshiva Derech Torah in Parakaway. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. And the last 21 years, Baruch Hashem, Yeshiva Orachayim, and Yisodi Yeshua. Beautiful, amazing. Baruch Hashem. My high school, my Yeshiva, great stuff, amazing experiences and memories, and uh, we want to bring it to the world about Rebbe's amazing Shirim, which I remember and I say over till this day, Baruch Hashem. So, so like we mentioned, tonight's topic is Chinuch, parenting the who, what, where, when, and why. So, Rebbe, we have uh, babysitters, we have cleaning up and others who help us by proxy. But when it comes to educating our children, we have Rebbein, Moras, tutors, etc. So some might feel that Chinuch parenting falls upon the yeshiva system. You know, I send my kids to school, I pay tuition, but how can parents and the yeshiva system work together to raise their children to be strong in the Yiddishkeit and the Judaism? Right. So, first of all, I would like to just comment on the introduction to the question, where it says we have babysitters, can you help and others who help us by proxy? The helping us, ha- uh, you know, has to be very well thought out. You know, babysitters, nice Jewish people who will influence our children positively so they can have a, uh, if we check into them, and they're good influences. So they'll babysit for the children. But I want you to know, as far as cleaning help, they're there for cleaning. It's very interesting in the Torah. There's no, there are fascinating stories that you can tell about President Degadella, but the most fascinating stories are the Torah. Did you ever wonder that uh, when Rivka is traveling from Basuel's house to, to become the wife of Yitzchak, to take over the place of Sarah Imenu, and that's what it says in the Torah she did, it describes that she came with maids. It was not uncommon. A, a, a public house, like a Brahmavina's house, you yeah, know, all so, guests, so many people, yeah. right. So she came with maids. Yet, in Parshish Teldais, when Aramavid was Niftar, Yaakov missed the Levayo. How come? Well, there was certainly the Kavura, the burial. He, missed the, he may not have missed the funeral, but he certainly missed the burial because it says he was home cooking. Vayozed Yaakov Nozid. 
Now, why was Yaakov cooking if she had maids? Why didn't he go be part of the burial system? He was 15 and a half years old. But we see, now, the maids can clean. They're not cooking for us. They're not cooking for us. They're not cooking for us. The author of something puts their power into it. When a mommy, a Jewish mommy, makes macaroni, it's got so much power of spirit for the children. I remember the, the Rebbe smoothing about uh, the, you know, the, the food, author. the energy. They the biggest proof is a Sefer Torah. That's right. You can have a Sefer Torah was written by a tzaddik, by a good cipher, uh, who writes as a good scribe. So when the Sefer Torah becomes, it's, it's, it's not, not usable anymore, we bury it with honor. A brand new, gorgeous Sefer Torah written with, written with all the beauty, but an Apikairis uh, uh, wrote it. A person that doesn't believe in the whole Torah, even if he doesn't believe in one mitzvah. You burn it to ashes. Lest someone read from it, and reading from something that a terrible person wrote, it influences you. We are very adid. A Jewish neshama is very delicate, very sensitive. So that's the introductory thing. A babysitter is a babysitter. The kind of nice Jewish people to take care of our babies. But cleaning help. That's pretty hard to get, you know, uh, somebody who's, uh, who's a good influence to be cleaning help, so they're clean. Right. But I remember when in my house, with my wife once, when I came home, Erev Shabbos from Yeshiva, and a particular person that was cleaning at that time said to me, she, she complained to me about my wife, she thought I would do something, and influence my wife, your wife doesn't let me help her bake the challah. All the women have let me help her bake the challah. So I said, in this house... My wife and my daughter will do the cooking and baking. And we're happy that you come, but it's only cleaning. Nobody else touches the preparation of the food. You know, I told you, she thought I'm going to help her. <laughs> no, we never have that kind of help with, you know, with the food because we want the right Shabbos food. You know, you want to get elevated. Like, like uh, that's, that's, what it, that's what it's all about. So, but the question was, how do we work together that our children should be strong in Yiddishkeit? So, again, my parents showed tremendous respect for the institution. Besides, if we brought something home and it was halachically correct, they would change right, they would change right away. If, it, if they didn't believe it, you know, well, it didn't make sense to them, they would check. But they would not just say that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. They Never would check it out. It. Yeah, because, you know... Uh, they had a Rav, my parents always had a, a Rav or a Rebbe that they could go to to ask questions, and that is a fundamental part of a Jewish home. Every home has to have a good Rav, a good Rabbi, who, who you know, that, that himself is living correctly, so you can look up to him and ask him the questions. But uh, I'll tell you a cute story, and it's a very big lesson in working with the yeshiva. I'm the oldest son in the family. My older sister was a very good Talmudah all the time. I'm not sure she had all these situations. But I would come home from yeshiva every now and then. That's why I learned not to do it. And tell my father, I don't like my Rebbe. Ooh. I don't like my Rebbe. So my father would respond, it's okay. I don't pay tuition for you to like your Rebbe. It's not a popularity contest. One year you'll like your Rebbe. One year you won't like your Rebbe. I pay tuition for you to learn. You have to learn from every Rebbe. And maybe next year you'll like him. That's not what it's about. Powerful. It's not. So, I, and it worked. You know, I understood that. It made sense, and therefore I continued on and tried to do my best by every Rebbe. Now, uh, I'm raising my own children, right? So my oldest was a fifth grader. 
ten and a half years old. I guess you people you know, can get a laugh at one of these sessions also. <laughs> and sure enough, he starts out like I did. He comes on this year, that other year, one year. He loves his baby one year. He doesn't. I told him the same thing. Well, my father had one more thing in that statement that I left out, a very important part of the statement. My father would say, and I told this to my own son, maybe be well, you don't have to like your rabbi. It's not what it's about. It's not a popularity. But he has to like you. You have to behave. You have to be respectful. No matter you like him or not, he has to like you. Well, one day I'm in yeshiva, and uh, I'm called to the office that my son's yeshiva is calling me. So I go to the phone, Mr. Manahel, who's very, very upset. He says, your son was suspended, and someone has to go home to be with him. He can't be home by himself. I said, you're right. I think I'll go home. I'm going to call my wife about it. Upset, you know, I'm going to go home. I'll take care of it. Very good. I excuse myself from the Manahel. And I went home. And uh, I came into the house. I said, you know, what happened? So he told me that the Rebbe is picking on me, the Rebbe doesn't like me. Uh, I was talking with another boy, he was also talking, and the Rebbe just uh, suspended me and didn't suspend him. So I said, I hear, you know, I hear your side, and I, and, and I don't know that you're not right. I'm going to go to yeshiva now. I want you to go up to your room. Our rule with suspension was, you can't have a good time. You know, you're not, you're not, you're not off from school because you're suspended. You have to stay in your room without you know, uh, music without fun things until it was 5.30 when school ends. Then you're like, everybody else, cut back down to the family, as if you came home from school. Mm. But during school hours, suspension means you can't enjoy yourself too much. You shouldn't want to be home. So if a, ch a child is in trouble, you know, it shouldn't be that great. Right, that day is, oh, so I'll be suspended every other day. It's great. Like, you know, <laughs> no, it wasn't great. So, so I'm trusting you to go to your room. You have, you have farm there, you have books, but no music, no, no, you know, games, whatever it is. I'll be home in about a half hour. I went to the school. And the fifth grade Rebbe, he was really very, very upset. I said, Rebbe, I came here. I want to hear what happened. I'll, I'll do something about it. You know, that's what I was told by my parents. So, he's, besides, you have, to, you have to listen to your child. I didn't tell him he's not telling the truth. Maybe he was. You know, but I said after the second side of the story, like any Torah, you got to hear both sides. She says, I, I never had such a thing in my life. Such disrespect. I said, so please share it with me. You know, I saw him talking to the boy next to him, your son. So I said, please stop talking. So he responded, but why is everybody only telling me to stop talking? What about my friend, who's also talking to me? Now, that wasn't respectful, but he wouldn't get suspended for that. He needed a reprimand. Because real respect is saying, okay. He didn't say okay. But the Rebbe continued with him and said, well, I didn't see him, I only saw you, which is good, because that's fear. Right. A child is a stigma for fearness at home and in school. And I found that with my Talmudim, and when I was already in the classroom, my children at home. My kids always say it's not yeah. fair. It's so I've explained to them. I, I, I answered them. I didn't just say, well, life isn't fair. No. <laughs> I, I would either say, but I understand how you feel, but you, know, you don't know the background to what happened. According to what happened, this is what this child needs right now. I understand how you feel, because the child needs to know that you really love them all equally and that they, you are fear. But so, so my son said to me, you know, so he said back to I didn't see him. So my son said, I think the Rebbe didn't see him and only me because the Rebbe doesn't like me. Mm. 
And he felt it. He told me that he picks on me, right? So the Rebbe, instead of saying, I do like you, he's a wonderful Rebbe, wonderful. We're still friendly today. But he, he, he sometimes you say something, not wrong, but not... So he answered, well, I think you don't like me because you talk when I'm giving a shear. To which my son said, but I don't have to like the Rebbe. The Rebbe has to like me. <laughs> now, there was a, do you believe what he said over to the whole class? I don't have to like the Rebbe. The Rebbe has to like me. So I smiled. <laughs> that, that's Rebbe's I said, could I tell the Rebbe where he got that from? He got it from me. He really said, got it from your father. Right, I said, but he is saying it out of context like a ten and a half year old child would. <laughs> and I told him the whole story and he laughed. He said, send him back. Wow. Send him back. You know, but, but I'll tell you the truth. Proper communication. It was very good. Right. Yeah, sure. I have to do that. Yeah, because, you know, the child says something. Again, I wouldn't negate the child. He's my child. He has no, I, 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 I give credence to what he's saying. Maybe it's true. Right. For some reason, maybe he's a little bit too lively and maybe really can't take him. Who knows? But I said, okay, I hear your side. I'm going to go to Yeshiva. And, and I'm totally open-minded to hear the Rebbe's side. But I learned this from my parents. This was all, it's an example. That's what it's about. So we should work together with the, with the school. I, I'll tell you another thing. The school my children went to. Once it became stylish to wear sneakers to work, when I was a kid, Every non-Jewish man, till President Kennedy, John F. Kennedy, every president wore a bent-down hat. Everybody wore leather shoes and suits and ties and dignity. Right. All of a sudden, sneakers became okay at work. No more dignity. So the yeshivas were concerned about it. They want children to dress. When you learn Torah in a dignified way, dress dignified, you learn better. Right. And if you do it... You know, you have to have some calibering uh, sneakers and, and jeans today with a chuppah? Of course not. They want to be king and queen. Torah is malchus. Torah is royalty. You know, I, I told the Bachran, the yeshiva, people mean well. Yidin mean well. We love, we love them all. They mean well. But whoever the artists are who are creating menorahs of Disney characters, they mean well. They want to have fun. Yay, I'm lighting Mickey. I'm lighting Porky. <laughs> yeah, they, want to, they mean well. Menorah is royalty. Right. Royalty is not Disney. Royalty is brass, silver, royalty, chrome. No characters. The child has to feel he's a king, a three-year-old, four-year-old, however old they are. They're learning a menaira. Certain things are, are regal. You know, that's, that's what mitzvahs are. But I, I, I think, yeah, we were saying about the sneakers, yeah. Yeah, so, so they, they made a rule in my children's schools. No white sneakers, only black, because it's a more dignified color. Mm -hmm. And no high tops. You shouldn't when you come to play basketball when you come to Yeshiva. So my children felt, you know, but I, I for when they got older, you know, basketball, I want to. So I'll get you two pairs. But we must follow rules. Part of being a Jew, learning how to follow Torah, is to follow Rabbi. If the Yeshiva made a rule, so we'll get you know, the first thing is high tops when you, when you play out of Yeshiva. And then, but they want the black, so the Nikes came with that white boomerang. So I would pay the extra few dollars that they charged to dye it black. Really? Wow. And my children said, Tao, why? I said, because we follow rules. The yeshiva asked for black, it's black. You know, you would become a better Jew if we learned to follow rules. Powerful, powerful, Rebbe, amazing. So, Rebbe, we know that this...
They have a saying that America runs on Duncan, but we know that the world really runs, in, as it says in Perkei Avot, in the ethics of our fathers, that the world stands in Torah, Avot, which is prayer, and Chesed, which is kindness. Uh, what is the biggest concern in raising our children towards the right path, when our society has different ideals, and what should uh, be our approach towards this solution? So, it's, I know it's <laughs> a few comments. We want to thank Robbie from Chazak for putting all together these amazing questions and always does a great work job with all So, there are a few, a few comments. First of all, I want you to know that we could learn mostly from almost everything. And Robbie's introduction that the secular world has a saying America runs on Duncan. Well, so does so the Jewish people run on Duncan, a different kind of Duncan. We run on Duncan in the ritual waters. <laughs> but what's ritual waters? Which ones? So we're all familiar with the Lagbaimer song, Amr Be'akiva, Ashrechem Yisrael, how fortunate you are, people of the Jewish nation, that, that uh, you have Hashem. Mikveh Yisrael Hashem. Ah. Hashem is our ritual water. By learning Torah, by living Torah, we're Duncan in the, in, the, in the ritual waters that is Hashem, and purifying ourselves. So... From their saying, we could just apply to ourselves. We, yeah, we run on Duncan, but Duncan in the right place. <laughs> right, a bit of G at the end, that's all. You know, not so bad. But I was about to say drunk and drunk. Drunk in America. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, you know, so opposed to that. You know, no, nobody should get drunk. You lose yourself, you lose those moments of life. You can't think. I feel just worse about it all the time. Yeah, um, if you can get dignified and uh, drunk in a dignified way, yes. If not, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Because Kedush Hashem is part of our life. 100%. It's part of our life. So there are a few biggest concerns. Number one is having time to connect with our children. You know, if we're good parents and we have what to offer, so we, we should work on our schedule. We should live a more modest life if it's necessary, financially modest, you know. Uh, right. To be able to have time one of, the, one of the things I, I learned from my wife when in raising the children, she made a bedtime for each child, different, you know, separate than the other. And this is one of the things about fairness. Why? So that either she or I could spend time with that child alone. When they got put to bed, sit down, tell them a story, ask them about their day. And each night, when this bedtime came, everybody else was playing. So the master's bedtime is 7? So, so when is it 7? And when is it 7.15? And when is it 7.30? And when our oldest was 15, and number four was, was nine, so my oldest said to me, again, about fairness, Ta, it's not fair. My bedtime is 10.30, and his bedtime is 11 o'clock. He's, you know, six years younger. I said, that's very fair. He said, if you don't sleep eight hours, do you function well the next day? He said, no. I said, right. But Hashem made him so different. He's popping out of bed all over the place. He can't sleep even seven hours. He can't. You know, he'll wake us all up in the morning if we don't keep him up till 11. Wow. He's so full of energy. Hashem made him that way. And that's fairness, I told him. That's really fairness. You need what David gave you a body, what your body needs. And he can be six years younger. But we need him to go to sleep later so we can stay, so we can sleep. <laughs> younger children, you know, is there a specific time maybe he remembers? Or? Uh, I, I, th I think that they, depending how young they were, it started with six when they were really young, but it went to seven, seven thirty. You have to know how much your child needs to, to be in, in control of themselves. Right. You know, like we adults should also know that. We have to be in a good mood. But you've got to find time to connect with the children. 
a Shabbos meal is such a beautiful time for that. Because very often the parents have different schedules. Sometimes the parents can't both eat supper with the children. You know, so but Shabbos is that time that we should really, you know, give to, 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 to prepare, right? So I, and, and, uh, and also I feel a, a very uh, big concern about ourselves is to, they should realize the value, the value of our values and the value of Jewish life and how beautiful it is, is number one, to work on ourselves, to really see the beauty in the things that we do, the beauty in being modest, the beauty in living more, more modestly, the beauty in family. If they, if they really enjoy their Shabbos table, so therefore it has to be prepared for I'm, uh, I'm still telling mainly when the children are by the table, now with grandchildren, stories on the parasha. Not anything heavy, because you want them to enjoy. When they were young, so we had uh, the kitchen is right, right next to the dining room. The Shabbos room is the dining room. We ate in the kitchen all week, even though it was very teeny, and we had to have a bench or a narrow table, but just to have a Shabbos room, if you can do it. Wow. You know, it's special. You know, one of the beautiful things I, I really admired about Ura. I spent, you know, three summers there. And Baruchim, I still go back uh, for one Shabbos every summer. The zone. The zone, yeah. correct. Uh, is I, was, I was just so enthusiastic. The first Shabbos I was there, and every Shabbos afterwards, and I realized that all week long, in their shul and in their dining room, there are fluorescent lights all week. Shabbos comes, and all of a sudden, there were chandeliers on. Now, they were really hanging there all week. Of course, and wall sconces in both rooms. They had wall sconces and chandeliers that are off all week long. They come on Friday night for Mincha and Kabbalah Shabbos, and ah, something's different here. The aura. You know, there were the yellow lights, softer lights, you know, warm lights. White is very stark, it's nice, it's good for reading. But Shabbos is a warm day, you know, and the dining room and the shul had different chandeliers, different wall sconces. But there's something to it. That's part of our work. Why? Because the secular world has a lot of fun. And we have a Cholamoy Sukkot, Cholamoy Pesach, so my wife and I spend time to find kosher places to go. But we don't have as much fun as they do. You know, even watching movies which is so full of immodesty and violence. Violence, we, we deplore violence. You know, it's horrible. And people get entertained from it these days, not us. I remember when a counselor in camp, I was head counselor for a lot of summers. I've been camping almost, almost my whole you know, adult life in summer camp. And a counselor asked me, could I go to a wrestling match in town, in Highland? There's a wrestling match going on. I'd like to go see it. I said, you want to see people beat each other up? <laughs> he said, yeah, it's really very exciting. I said, and people probably, I've never seen it before. I said, but I bet people will get up and scream, hit him, hit him again. He said, yeah. I said, that's, that's barbaric. You want to, a yid wants to, want, we're in pain if someone gets hurt. We're in pain if a nacho gets hurt. We're not in pain. We, we, I, I, didn't, I didn't register by me, but... There's a lot of fun, so I, I don't tell my children or my students, no, we have as much fun as they have. No. We have different pleasures that they have. <laughs> fun, we speak about it every Shabbos and Yom Zif before Berch HaSamazim. We say, <laughs> When Mashiach will come, we're going to laugh. <laughs> the fun of today, my Rabbi, Rabbi Moshe Wolfson Shalita, once said, 
he's big into gematriois, and this is a little bit of humorous gematria, but it, it, it sends the point home. When I was a teenager, I heard this from him. Fun, fei aleph nun, is the exact numerical value of samach mem aleph lamed, the satan's name. <laughs> Most fun of the secular world is the satan. Wow. And if it wouldn't be fun, it wouldn't be Yitzhahara. We know that Hashem created the Yitzhahara for us to earn Olam Habo by saying no. And about the Yitzhahara, it says in Bria Sa'olam, by creation of the world, by Yavalakim, it's called Shurasav, in a toiv ma'ayit. Says the Medrash, it was very good. Behine toiv, it was good, that's the Yitzhahara toiv. Ma'ayit is the Yitzhahara. That was very good, because now people can earn an eternal life by saying no. So I'm going to tell my children who made trips. We still make trips for the grandchildren now. They're not as much fun as, as some wild fun or, or a movie or whatever it might be. But I remember taking, we found a place in Norwalk, Connecticut, the Maritime Center. Oh, we're so happy, a science place. They have an IMAX. I had no idea what it was. They told me it's science. Oh, good, what are they showing? The Rocky Mountains. I took tickets for the whole family, right? So I thought we were going to see the Rocky Mountains, the first scene. Swimming in the water by the Rocky Mountains. I said, up, up, out. You know, oh, I want to see it. I said, I know you want to see it. It's wonderful, but Hashem said no. You know, I fun, yes. I didn't tell them, we're going to have fun then. We're not supposed to have the same fun now. We can't fool ourselves. We can't tell them lies. You know, we're going to have, we're going to have the same thing. No. No, we, we, we don't have the same thing, but we're going to do our best. You know, we're going to have trips, we're always going to go places. And if, if the parents are happy, the children are happy. You know, and, and there's, there's, this association so with the table and the kids we are, we had playtime during the Suda. Because how long can the children sit by the table? Right. Well, one of my first experiences in Arachain was a young man, a wonderful big masman, a tremendously wonderful person that was, his family was young, he was young, his oldest was five. So he speaks to me on a Sunday, he says, Rabbi Finkman, you have to help me. I had such a ruined Friday night su'udah, because I couldn't make Kiddush for a whole hour. I said, why not? He said, because hey, first this child made noise, and that, that, one, that one made noise. It took me an hour to get them quiet. I said, why are you getting them quiet? For Hashem, you have children. It's normal for them to make noise. I said, what I do at my table, I, I say, okay, we're making Kiddush. I'll be mighty, everybody. You know, please listen. And they get quiet for about 10 seconds. <laughs> and they start Kiddush and this one, because they're little children, yeah. they, well, yeah, Baruch Hashem, you have them. It's like my wife once asked me if people come to my study to see me when the kids were children were young. We had no playroom in the basement. We had to finish the basement. Aren't you uncomfortable that the toys are on the floor? Because the playroom was the living room until Erev Shabbos when we straightened everything up with other Shabbos. I said, no. I tell people, be careful, don't trip. The children play here. Baruch Hashem. It's normal. You know, right. There's no right. playroom. They're going to play here. Powerful lesson for the mothers. You know, yeah, they're, they're always worried. And for the fathers, because they, uh, we don't have that much time. But right. in Shalom Bayes, a father once came to my house. And he said, I, I, I came here to vent, Rabbi Finkelman, because I don't want to uh, argue with my wife. I said, well, what happened? He said, you know, I have a stressful day at work. It's hard enough. I come home. I want to have supper. I want the house to be neat. Mm-hmm. I, I work my summer whole day. I come in the door, there's a dirty diaper on the floor, there are toys, <laughs> the supper is, is, is first cooking, it's on the stove, but it's, it's not ready. I didn't want to hurt her feelings. I, I left and I came here. 
And I said, well, number one, you hurt her feelings by leaving. <laughs> she is a very smart woman. She knows why you didn't come in and sit down and enjoy your kids and say, how was your day? Honey, hello, how was your day? She knows. She's already hurt, number one. Second of all, could you please tell me who, uh, that diaper on the floor, I said to him, whose child is that that she diapered? Yeah, it's hers. It's hers. <laughs> is it yours too? Yeah. Oh, she's taking care of your kids the whole day. Uh-huh. You know, I said, you should thank Hashem. People would give their right arm to have children. You know, Baruch Hashem, you have diapers on the floor. Baruch Hashem, you have toys on the floor. Please go back home and thank Maybe bring her flowers. Maybe bring her flowers and thank her. You know, thank her. Baruch Hashem. Ah, you, you're stressed? Instead, like, come and have some smile and say, Baruch Hashem, there's a diaper, there's toys. Ah, ah. And you'll become unstressed. It depends how you look at things. Ah. And last week's parasha, but you gosh. A wonderful friend of mine, at the Shalosh this, Rabbi Abi Zechariah, said to me, Can I ask you a question? I said, Yeah. What was the difference between the scene in, in Paroi's palace before Yosef said, Ani Yosef, I am Joseph, and after he said, I am Joseph? What was the difference? I thought about it, I said, nothing. Yes, one thing, perception. Mm. It was the same scene. Yeah. Before they thought he was a Russia, an evil, who knows what, all of a sudden, oh, it's true, he's the king. We're bowing down to him. We made a mistake. We made a mistake. We're wrong. Perception. Perception. You come into your house and enjoy. Ah. So you make time for the children. Simcha in the house. A girl who says, it's so hot. All the girls from other schools are not covering up so much. I'm sweating. And you tell her, I know, it's, it, it is hard. You have to always empathize. You, you are hot. It's like, when I wear my shaykh, or I wear my tila, you know, it's not easy. But you got to understand that our bodies are dying. The hope diamond is just not revealed. It's under wraps. Hashem gave us such a precious body. It's to serve Him with. It's not to be exploited and advertised and become a thing of taiva, of temptation. And even though it's hot, Hashem pays well. Look what He paid Yosef. When he, he had a hard life, but ooh, 80 years he became a king. It's, it's, it's not easy. It is not easy. But in the end, you'll feel so good about it. It takes time. You yeah, feel that way. That's a very important thing. The simcha. Happiness. Joy. Happiness. Enjoy the Shabbos table. Bring the beauty about it when the children complain. They have a right to complain. Empathize. <clears throat> Why can't we go to, you know, to this place? Why can't we go to this place? It's not sanua. It's not modest. Oh, there's so much more fun. True. But, but as far as pleasure of life, feeling good about yourself, it's going to come. It's worth having the king's daughters and sons don't go everywhere. They're royalty. That's also true, right? And 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 this beautiful thing. That's really what it's all about, right? Right. Two comments. It's a beautiful comment, right? That we are we are princes and princesses of Hashem. Ramesha Wolfson, Rebbe took us to Bar Park for Shabbos. It was life changing. That's that's one point I wanted to make. There was another case that there was once a a a. a a, a wife that uh, the husband comes home and the house is upside down and he's like, is everything okay? She's like, no, you always ask me what I do. So today I did nothing. So just for you, <laughs> just for you to see what happens when I do nothing. So I do do something. Uh-huh. Okay. Amazing. Rebbe, so much diamonds in every single word that Rebbe is saying. Uh, so, so we know that Rebbe Chinuch starts at home. I know we touched right. upon it. Well, what's Rebbe's been about? What are the greatest Chinuch opportunities that we have that we might not realize impact our children? 
You touched on different well, pointers already. A tremendous lesson forever for them to be successful people is shalom bias. The child who sees the parents respect each other is going to be a good spouse one day. A child who sees teamwork will be a good spouse one day. A child whose parents, when they disagree, disagree behind closed doors, will be a good spouse one day. And you'll tell that to them when they get married, you know. Uh, Abba and I didn't always agree, but never in front of the children. And even if we disagree, let's say, with the chinuch of our spouse at a certain point, children are resilient. We can apologize tomorrow, they'll be okay. But our relationship is above everything. And I'm not going to criticize my wife in front of the child, or wife, husband in front of the child. Later on, when we're alone, you know, what happened there with that child, and you said such a sharp thing to them, I, I really think it could be detrimental. Not in front of the children. I, you're afraid right now, you're afraid. Don't be afraid. Children are resilient. They're resilient. They'll gain more from always seeing that you're a team. You know, why have to do that? Mommy asked you to listen to mommy. And later we'll say to ours, uh, to or, or, or Abba told you to listen to Abba. And later we'll say, you know, Abba, I think it was too much to ask. Mm. Maybe it's worth apologizing. We, parents, and Rabbeim, and Meshkichim have to apologize at times. Only Hashem is perfect. Lahagit Kiyoshim Hashem. Shabbos is about knowing Hashem is straight and perfect. Suri, always my protector. He doesn't make any mistakes. Everybody else makes mistakes. Everybody else should say, I'm sorry if we did, but we don't correct. If they see Shalom bias, it is such a tremendous opportunity to, to show that the Jewish home is a great place. Being a good role model. Good role model. And, and, and Shalom bias, and then also in, in Simcha, about what HaKash Baruch gives us. It's not easy always. And the Simcha really means Simcha. It means, if HaKash Baruch Hu, decreed this, then this must be the best thing, even though we don't see it. Because Suri is my protector. Everything is my protection. It has made mistakes. So we have to work with it. Let's see what we can do. We'll make a status to change it if we can. Maybe we'll downsize if we can. Well, if it's, if it's a parnos, if it's a your financial situation, if it's a health situation, have a family meeting. What can we do? We have to deal with it. But, but, and, 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 but the idea is, They'll, they'll gain so much strength from that. Tremendous strength they'll gain from, from the parents being happy people. I feel as a Rebbe too. I worked very hard in the classroom. That's, you should see how much I love what I do. Mm-hmm. As you get a feeling that Torah is wonderful. You know, it's a wonderful thing. And, the, and that has to come from the home. We can do it in Shiva, but how much more it is if they're growing up in a house where, where living a Torah life is a pleasure. You know, if, if you find Pesach cleaning very hard, don't do so much. Because find out what the halacha is. You don't have that much right. to do. Many, many, a lot many, of this cleaning. Yes. Don't, don't pressure yourself. Enjoy. And don't, don't have to make simchas like everybody else makes. Even that. I sat next to a parent. I was a bar mitzvah. I was a bender. I was there 12, 12 years, 10 years were bar mitzvah age boys. Hmm. And, and my five years in the was bar mitzvah age boy. There was a lot of bar mitzvahs. I'm saying this to a parent at a very elegant bar mitzvah in a wedding hall with a theme that works. Next week it's his son's bar mitzvah, same class. Says to me, ah, what's my bar mitzvah going to look like compared to this? I said, it'll be great. It's going to be great. No one's going to compare it to this. 
No one compares it. You're comparing it. Whoever's coming to right perception, whoever's coming to your simcha is coming because we like you. Why we besamech your son, myself, and all the boys, we're all coming to dance and be besamech. We don't care what it looks like, whether you have a theme, don't have a theme, wedding hall, your own living room, dining room. You know, we're gonna come anyhow. Some boys have it in their house, I told them. And they and they serve hot dogs and baked beans and we have a great time. Don't worry about it. One thing COVID taught us is that we could do a wedding in the Burmans everywhere and anywhere. Right. And, and that's Even true. backyards. And be happy. That's right. And be happy, brother. That's but that's uh, that's really the home. That's really the home. And we need for that I, I wrote down that we need we need a Rebbe. We need a Rav. Every person, every couple. My wife and I went to Rabbi one of the times. We didn't agree 100% on certain things. We're two different people, two different homes. So we were, I said, okay, we're going to ask the Astor whatever they say. That's well, it. Amazing. And that's it. You know, but I, but I also told my parents. You know, I had a, a very uh, interesting about 15 years old. So I had never got the summer camp. My parents couldn't afford it. But we lived in a very happy home. We stayed home every summer. We stayed. We, we, we were very no little. My parents. No, there's no day camp in those days. Wow. There was summer yeshiva, which we weren't very happy about. <laughs> but but you know, it did occupy a few hours of the day. Yeah. But but it wasn't a pleasure being unhappy because my parents were very happy people. This was their matzav, no, struggling for a living. But it was a very happy home. When we had lived in a teeny three-bedroom apartment, we still had guests. My parents took apart the box spring a mattress. So someone slept on the bathroom, someone slept on the mattress. We were able to have guests. During the week, they were on top of each other, the bathroom mattress. It was one bed. Wow. But it was a happy home. With, with, but when I turned 15, oh, there was youth corps. I could get working papers. I could get a job in camp, get paid, and I could pay my way into camp with the money I earned. If I wanted to, it's my, you know, that I got paid. So I went down to low, uh, Brooklyn, to downtown Brooklyn, I went for the working papers, I got them. When you're over 14, you can get special working papers. And then I went to the office to sign up for the youth corps. And my parents raised us to be honest. They were very strong about being honest, never cheating on a test, nothing dishonest. And that's it. Right. So I read the paper before I sign it. That's what I was taught by my mother read the contract. So in this office, so they, my name was correct, my <clears throat> amount of siblings, my parents, income, everything. But the address was the wrong address. So I said to the man in charge, the, the address is incorrect. Oh, well, there's nothing. Uh, this money is, is, is funded according to neighborhoods. You know, lower-income neighborhoods are the ones that can get this. You're not, you don't have a low-income neighborhood. I said, but I don't live here. But you could live there, you know, we, 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 we can arrange mamish legally and you should be part of that home, part of that family, whatever it is. So I said, can I call the rabbi? Because that's, that's what we were raised with. And I asked for a Brooklyn phone book, I knew who my parents' rabbi was. And I called him. And he said, I'm sorry, you cannot do that. Wow. And I said, no, <laughs> what can I tell you? As a 15? Because, you know, yeah. The next year I did go to camp already because I, you know, was able to work it out for one month. And then eventually I became part of the staff and head counselor. And, you know, I was in camping after that forever. But having a rabbi. Very important. Yeah, that's it. A rabbi needs to like this and take away all doubts. That, that's what rabbis are there for. Right. Our vacations, we have to think about. Where to go, yeah, very important. Where to important. go. A parent called me last week, wants to take his son to 
Orlando. I said, where in Orlando? Mm. He said, some places are totally immodest. Let's talk about it. You know, you have responsibility. There's a neshama in there. I've seen this many times, unfortunately, in the communities that people do go away for vacation and the kids come, unfortunately, very, very problematic. Everybody should ask their Rebbe, like the Rebbe just mentioned. Uh, so Rebbe, we know that in our generation, there is a major crisis in self-esteem. Uh, what can we do as parents to ensure our children have a healthy, positive self-image? And that is to, again, understand them and find everybody, every adult, every child, has a positive point, a positive ability. To focus on the positive. And not to compare children. One of the things I realized about my mother, Allah Shalom, when we sat shiva for her, I said to myself, you know, none of us kids were ever jealous of the other kids, even though some were super achievers and some were not. But I realized, you know, we never saw a test paper hanging on a refrigerator or bulletin board. We never saw a grade that somebody else in the family got. Oh, wow. If I got a 60, which happened, or an 85, no it wasn't hung up. <laughs> and if somebody got hundreds, it wasn't hung up. So there was no jealousy, but I did have a problem. I was more average, 85, 88, you know, I wasn't a hundred student. And I was frustrated because in my classroom, some boys cheated, and they got much better grades. And my parents didn't let us cheat. They just raised us that way. <laughs> that was a guilt trip. You couldn't cheat. So I said to my mother one day, when I was 11 years old, I remember, I said, Mommy, it's not fair. The boys who cheat do better. And I'm coming home with, you know, an 85 and 82. So my mother took the report card. I think it's a very important lesson. It builds the self-esteem. Mm. And, she's, and, and she said to me, this side of the report card with the grades doesn't count. This side counts. Conduct, getting along with others, effort. If you put in your effort, that's all that counts. No one, the grades don't count. Putting in effort, that's all you have to do. That's how God is Baruch Yeah. Don't worry about it. And there was never comparison. So that we each had self-esteem because we were built up for what we were. Each one of us. I had my talents in the house. You know, I had the, the, the talented hands. I was able to build two cabinets with sliding doors and fix up, you know, the apartment a little bit. <laughs> my parents, others were more uh, um, secular, brain, not secular, I mean more, you know, what do you call it? You know, the brain. Right. You know, cerebral. <laughs> it was more cerebral. It's, it, but the idea is, you build a self-image, if we don't knock them, if we compliment them, and, if, and we do have to complain to them, sit them down, and first start with a praise. You know, you're such wonderful, can you do this and this, and mention things that they do. But the teacher told me, or the Rebbe told me, that this and this happened. What, what happened? Sometimes we realize it was just a mistake on the teacher's part, you know. But, but Rabbi Gadali Yashur, my great Rosh Yeshiva, the Yeshiva turned ass. He told us, following Pshat, I don't know from whom, the, and it works in the, in the Pasuk without even making it a drush. It works Pasuk in the Pasuk simply. You must reprimand the one you love. But So simple pshat is don't do a sin when you reprimand him. Don't embarrass them. Don't do it in public. I went to a parenting session of his. Wow. He said, if you have to give your child a patch, a slap, not in front of other children. Take it to a different room. Mm. Never embarrass your child. Never. You know, and I said afterwards to my wife, I said, that not only is a brilliant idea not to embarrass a child, but you'll cool off. Very often if we get angry at a child, it's all gava, it's all conceit. Me, the parent, he went against me. It's not about the child. It's about the child to be calm. We would talk to the child. 
But if I'm hurt, my ego. When you go to a different room, you cool out, you cool down already automatically. So Rabbi Shor said, don't pick up the sin over his head. Don't make the sin so big. Pick up the person, he ah, said. Wow. Don't pick up the sin. Say, you're such a wonderful child. How did you do this? <laughs> you're such a wonderful child. There are techniques to build self-esteem, and it starts when the baby, when the baby on. From babyhood on. I once saw such a beautiful thing with a baby. I was, I was a bachar visiting my friend in his sister's home. Very elegant, wealthy, beautifully decorated home. We were sitting in the living room at the end of the living room by the windows and there was a plush royal blue carpet that you stick into your ankles, you know, real plush royal blue, a, a, a very beautiful color. And her little, like, crawling baby, crawling baby, noticed her uncle, my friend, at the end of the living room. So she goes, ah, ah, and she starts to, with her hands, bang the carpet and crawl and crawl. And in this hand, she had a melting chocolate. Oh. And as she's going, this chocolate, 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 chocolate on this plush carpet. And the mother, all of a sudden, from the other room, turned around. She saw that. And she ran in. I was so frightened for the child. She pissed with the child. She says, bless you, bless you. You should be blessed. <laughs> That's it was great. great. Gonna... I thought it was oh, great. Because uh, you're controlling you know? yourself. Right. Doesn't... It's done already. It's, you got to clean it up. It's done already. And give the brothers. Why? Give the brothers. <laughs> right. And then the child's blessed. Very often there's a little child. I was so impressed. <laughs> I was so impressed. Very, very powerful. I see one thing Rebbe is emphasizing a lot is the simcha. So I see that yeah. very, very right. important. Being right. positive, positive, happy. So. Okay. We have to reprimand, but there's a way. Amazing. So inspiring. So much gems over here. Very, very, very amazing. Uh, this is one of the talks, by the way, that has to be re-reviewed re and replayed because there's so much... Okay, so Rebbe, why is it that, unfortunately, some of our children uh, in, in the world are so much uh, uh, more disconnected from, from Yiddishkeit, from Torah values, than in previous generations, you know? And, and how does one fix it? Unfortunately, we see it... Uh, unfortunately, it's been... It's been uh, a magifa, a little bit of a plague with right. kids going off the derech, and what does Rebbe suggest? This is a very deep, involved yeah. question. It needs a meeting of people in Chinuch, in the school world, with parents. Because I do feel a lot of it is that we have high standards. I stand scholastically, and, and, and in, in, in physically as well, like for instance, you know, being properly modest, or boys not uh, getting involved. And in, in, uh, not having smartphones, let's say. Every now and then, when we're partying for an off Shabbos or a big break like a Pesach or Sukkot, so I tell the boys, you know, if you are, are a lucky boy who doesn't own a smartphone, when you go home, make sure you hug and kiss your parents and thank them. It's like my I want to read it. Rebbe said, lucky for not having one. Right, it's, it's <laughs> like my parents who gave away the television. They saved our lives. We were upset that night. Oh, yes. My brother always tells over, it was a sad night in the Finkelman house. <laughs> Our best friend was taken out of the house. But we all, the life became so much richer. We, we started to play games with each other, read books, learn better. There was so much more time for life, for real life. So we're living in a, in the, what, the, what, the, what the smartphone does for us, it attaches us to the entire world. And the world out there is a world of instant gratification. People can't wait. They have to get right now, like the stock market. You know, you got big money, uh, uh, a lottery ticket. You know, 
I, I once had a student who, who I did certain favors for him personally, besides Yeshiva. He comes to my door on Friday. Rebbe, I want to give you something because you, you know, did so many things for me. I bought you a lottery ticket. Because I can't give you anything else. It costs a dollar. But if you win, I gave it to you. <laughs> so I said to him, thanks, that's really beautiful. So said, if I win, you get 50%. Well, if I win, you get 50%. He said, then he said to me before he left, he said, did Rebbe ever buy his own lottery ticket? I said, never, ever, even once. He said, why? I said, I'm afraid I might win. Someone wins. I love my life the way it is. Wow. I'm scared to have all that money. I'm scared. You know, when you have like a simpler so you can enjoy, like a simpler wedding. The warmth usually, when it's a simpler wedding, there's more warmth, more excitement, more, you know. That's how it is, yeah. All the extras create a certain coldness. All the frill, all the glitz create a certain coldness. You know. And that's, that's I think how the world is. So, but the children view and they see and they're impressed. So maybe I give you an example, because my children were also impressed with with rich people and money, and they asked me, and I never stifled them. Uh, I'll give you an my oldest, who uh, was <laughs> athletic and enjoyed sports. So we went to eat by a friend who was very, very, very comfortable, big house, two playrooms. The attic and the basement, they're oh, fabulous, wonderful, Baruch Hashem, great people, Bali Stucker, fabulous people, raised great children. But on the way home, my son, who was then 10 years old, says, Tom, aren't you jealous? Oh, wow. <laughs> so I said, and I wasn't afraid to take them there, because we have to have these discussions, you know. I said, I'm really not jealous at all, but you must be. He said, I really am. I said, what are you jealous of? What's the biggest thing you'd want that they have? He said, the basement, <laughs> the ceiling is 10 feet high, they play hockey in the basement. Our basement is only 6 feet high. You know, my, my, my relatives who are more than 6 feet have to bend. <laughs> you know. so, so I said to him, I really understand that. You want to have a house like that when, you, when you're going to grow up? He said, yeah, are well, you going to mind if I won't be a Rebbe? I said, of course not. Be an Erlachiyi, be a good, devout Jew who keeps the laws and have that house, I'm going to come for Shabbos. I'll have a very nice time. <laughs> Never stifled them. An uncle bought a very high-class car. So the same one, he says to me, you know, would you be upset if I got that car when I grow up? I said, of course, you'll drive me around. Just keep the laws, keep the Torah, I have no problem with it. I'm sorry for asking. I said, but I love son. what we do. <laughs> this time is a Rebbe today, yes. <laughs> yes. But, but that's right. I, I didn't stifle them. I didn't tell them, you're wrong. Why are they wrong? They're children. But I love what we do. If I wanted to have a house like that, I'd have to do what they do. You know? And I don't, I, I, I really, I'd rather enjoy my day every day. But you, as long as you keep the laws, you'll be a good businessman, you come to the you know, you give it I'm coming to your house. I, I, I'll tell you, these, these are one of the talks that I just wanted to never end, but unfortunately, <laughs> there, the, here we are, Rebbe, the, the, the final uh, stretch is, is uh, one final message for our broad audience, uh, maybe about Chinuch, or it doesn't even have to be, something timely that uh, we could take home. It, 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 Rebbe, you don't understand how enjoyable all the... Chizuk, all the inspiration thank was. Much. I thank you for the opportunity. I really do, Yenev. I, Rabbi Yenev. I, I, you know, I really, I see the work. I have tremendous.
pride to have a relationship with you, Baruch Hashem. It's, it's, it's our, fantastic. Our pride and family, and with your brothers and everybody, Baruch Hashem, it's wonderful. You continue to be successful. And, and, and every way people should appreciate the wonderful work that's going on. And I guess I would just quote a postage from Mishlei. Because every child is different within the same family. Uh, and, and, the, and the children understand their fearness. So, Shlomo Amalek said it better than anybody. A high school teacher of accounting came to us from a girl's high school. There's a girl in her, one of her classes who in no way has the ability, the brain ability, to do this work of accounting. And her mother wants her to have this because today most families have two earners to be able to pay the tuitions and the regular life the itself. Bills. Even in our world, you know, most women are working, you know. And she wants her to have this degree and she's forcing her to take this account. And the poor girl is miserable and unhappy and unsuccessful and what do I do? So I asked her, does your, does your, does your girl's high school have a domestic side to it? Do they teach sewing, seamstress? She said, yes, there is such a uh, uh, part, you know, for... And I said, do you think this girl could be a seamstress? She said, yes. I said, you make a lot of money doing custom-made dresses for people. And many people want it today. It's cheaper than buying board stuff very often. So please, have a meeting with the mother, and if you need, you call me. To explain to her that every child, if that was different, what do they need? You know, speak to the school, speak to the rabbi, maybe they're a different school, but whatever it is. And if we're to understand each child is different, the same way they need their bedtimes, and one, the older one can have a, an earlier one than the younger one, as long as you ex- can explain it. And sometimes you don't have to explain. Sometimes you tell the child, first listen to me, and then I'll explain, because I wouldn't say I won't explain, but first get the practice of listening. You know, but other times it deserves an explanation. And if we raise each child according to their needs, the one that could learn more will learn more. The one that can't learn more, let's build him up on his level. Hashem. And the girl as well. This girl shouldn't be in accounting. She should be a seamstress. And they'll love her. The whole world's going to love her. So they'll be banging her door down. They want custom-made dresses by her. Then gam kiyazkin, when they will age, they will not leave Torah. They will not leave them. If they'll have a happy youth, they'll be happy parents, and they'll have a continuous... It's a Zoyar, my Rebbe quoted, to Rebbe Wolfson Shlita, uh, in Kisiso. Shabbos is a sign of closeness to Hashem between me and you for all generations, but it's spelled without the vavs on the cholom. So it, the Medrash Zoyar says... Don't just read it for generations, but the Dirai Seichem, for your homes. So Rebbe said, what's wrong with Pashup Shat? For generations. He said that the Rav Shem is telling us, that Hashem is telling us, by leaving out those two vavs, that if you want your generations to follow in your footsteps of Torah, the house has to be a place that will make them follow. Mm-hmm. Happy house. Cleaning for Pesach, having a Shabbos. Sidious, if they see it in the parents, you know, uh, then then mission the children want it. Wow. I must say that uh, all these lessons are pertinent for every single parent in the world. I myself have uh, asked the, the Rebbe, the Meshgeach Shlita, 
many, many shows about Chinuch and many other things, and uh, always to the point, perfect. And uh, I want to encourage everyone to please uh, don't just, uh, you know, take it for yourself, but share the wealth, forward the link, send it to family, friends, neighbors, let them enjoy and be inspired as well. I want to thank the Rabbi Shlita once again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, and thank all of you who, who listen in. We will get Mashiach to come because you're listening in. Amen. 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 Amen.